This is What Book Hooked You. I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. On this episode, I got to talk to Roshni Chakshi, whose newest book, The Guided Wolves, comes out on January the 15th. Uh, so we got to talk about that, what went behind the characters and the story, uh, talking about her sequel to her middle grade, and just her love of and experience being a writer. So listen in. So Roshni, what book hooked you? Uh, it would probably be Ella Enchanted by Gail Carson Levine. It was the first retelling I read that I could recognize all the pieces of the original fairy tale. You know, it's a retelling of Cinderella. And what I loved about reading that for the first time, what I love about rereading it now, is that there's so much humor and individuality that's infused in the character, which is something that you don't often see in fairy tale characters. Yeah, they're very much emotional archetypes. So to see someone so fleshed out was like groundbreaking to me. I had no idea you were allowed to do that with fairy tales. And when do you think you, when did you read this? Like what age, what stage of your life? I was pretty young. I think I was um, in elementary school, actually. I remember it being uh, summer reading. Okay. And so was this because it was summer reading and it was maybe a sign, was that typical of your reading or were you pretty much an independent, avid reader as a kid? I was an avid reader of books of fairy tales. I loved books of um, mythology. And I hadn't necessarily found a read that was geared towards my age group um, that really resonated with me. So Ella Enchanted was a first. And it made me think, oh, maybe there's reads out there that are contemporary that I will really like. Um, and I went on to like adore the rest of Gil Carson Levine's books. Um, in middle school, I started reading uh, all the work by Holly Black, and she's one of the most formative writers for me. But that was another example of someone taking this, these aspects of fairy tales and really, really making them their own, making them dark or gruesome or beautiful, um, and filling them with characters I could relate to. You know, you, you mentioned those books. And so with this interesting kind of fantasy and mythology and things like that. At what point were you kind of creating and imagining your own sort of stories? You know, I would have to say it was, I, I think I was actually in elementary school and I started writing my own take on stories, but it was really silly stuff. It was like fan fiction of Sailor Moon that I wrote with my best friend. Um, and that was when I realized that I too could play with these fairy tales as much as I wanted to. But when did it maybe uh, get more serious for you as, as something that to be a writer, however you first thought of it? You know, I feel like I was, I thought I was seriously writing in middle school. I wasn't. It was just thinly veiled Twilight fan fiction. But it was, you know, it was the first time where I was looking up stuff like, oh, so people find a literary agent first and that's how you get a publisher and that's how I started thinking about the professional mechanics of, of writing and wanting to do it professionally. So what then, uh, if it hadn't been for writing, uh, you know, what, where would you be? What would you be doing? I would be in corporate law. <laughs> I was in my first year of law school when I got uh, my very first book deal and Honestly, I, I really, really loved law school. It was the first time I was ever really good at school that way. Um, 
because when I was in college, I majored in 14th century British literature, and my family was like, you better marry rich or go to law school. So um, I decided to, to do both. Um, I'm just kidding. But I, uh, I went to law school, and it was fascinating for me because it's very much the study of storytelling. It's how you reinterpret language. And even the tests themselves, they're not about giving an answer. It's about giving not an answer. And I really, really loved that. And it actually taught me a lot about creative writing and how to write from different characters' perspectives and to always keep those aspects in mind. Um, and I was just very fortunate that the fall when I started law school is when I signed with my literary agent. I didn't want to get my hopes up, so obviously I kept working really hard in school. And then it sold in March, but I, I still did do like a, a summer associate position in a really big law firm to get a taste of what that life might be like. And while it's not for me, uh, I know so many writers who I adore and respect come from the legal profession. So I think there's a lot of overlap there. Sure. And so, you know, you we talked about El Enchanted and just your love of fantasy and mythology. So was that always going to be the type of writer uh, you were going to head towards, or was there any, you know, contemporary writing in you or any type of other genres you ever played with? Um, I mean, I loved contemporary authors like Sarah Jessen. One of my very, very favorite authors is Louise Renison, who wrote um, the Georgia Nicholson Diaries, which are from the point of view of a 13-year-old sassy British girl. It's like kind of PG Bridget Jones. Um, and I, I think that's where I got a lot of inspiration for writing humorous things, um, humorous contemporary. So I haven't quite ruled it out. I'm just trying to find the right story. And so your latest story that you have coming out, uh, The Gilded Wolves, comes out on January the 15th. Uh, so yeah. let's start talking about that. And what's this book about? This book um, is like National Treasure, but with more attractive people and conversations about colonialism. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I'm serious. You know, I love National Treasure. I just don't like looking at Nicolas Cage's face. So this was way better to play around with. So what was the initial idea for the book? Um, it was very much, I just, I wanted to play. I, I wanted to write in a beautiful setting that inspired me. And I've always been a fan of treasure hunts. I never get tired of stuff where it's like, but wait, it was never a map. It was actually like a song, XYZ or something else. And I guess when I was coming up with the idea for the Guild of Wolves, it was a pretty stressful time. Um, my sophomore book had just come out and it had it done well, but it was it was really a time of creative reckoning for me. I I was so scared of writing the same thing over and over again. And for me, I really wanted to, to test myself and do my best to improve as a storyteller. So picking something that had an ensemble cast where every single person has deep motivations for why they do things, it was a challenge. Um, it was a challenge in terms of learning character in a different way. And when I really started engaging with that setting and with that time period, it became a deeply personal story. Uh, my father's from India. My mother is from the Philippines. These Stories of colonialism, they run in my blood uh, against our own will, you know. Um, and to think about what that world, which is so considered so glamorous now, might have been like for someone who has the ethnic background that I do, uh, it was a question of how do you survive in a world that doesn't even want to see you? And that's kind of what the book became about. 
you know, with this cast of characters, and you said that was something that, you know, you grew uh, as a writer with through this, when you were kind of coming up with them, were what was that? How did you start with each character that you needed a character that played this role or was this type of character or did did they kind of come organically and then you kind of slotted them into roles that they would play on this team or how did you kind mm-hmm. of end up developing them? Yeah, so I guess once I knew a lot more about the world, I wanted to put people a lot like me in it. So there's an Indian character and I was thinking a lot about um, how this time was, you know, like when they were really exoticizing India and Asia. And so I wanted to play on what that exoticizement looked like. So that gave me the idea behind Layla, who is very much like the mother hen of the group. I absolutely adore her. And she's also a cabaret dancer in this Moulin Rouge type atmosphere. Um, and then I wanted to write a Filipino character because my mother has been on my case for the past like five years. <laughs> and it's like, where's my character? And I was like, I'm, I'm working on it. Um, and I learned so many fascinating things because this is the period right before the Filipino Revolution against, what is it, when Spain controlled them for 300, 400 years or so? This is right before then when they were really beginning to talk about what it meant to be equal players um, on the international level. So that's where Enrique's character as a historian came in. And he's a lot like me in the sense that we both struggle with having mixed race identities. There is always the pressure from other people to identify with one race more than the other. And it places a ridiculous amount of pressure on you to choose who you are. So those were like the characters that were most like me. And then from there, I got really excited thinking about who's going to be the lead heist guy. Who's going to like be the one to rally them? And what is it that he wants? And because I wanted to play with this glamorous setting, I was like, okay, so I don't want necessarily someone who is after financial gain, but someone who's after a different kind of treasure. And that's what led me to Severin's character. Um, and he was just a joy to write. He's so broody. I, I really like him. <laughs> and so with this whole uh, you know, plot of, of the treasure hunt and this team uh, and the kind of challenges that they might face, did did you do a lot of plotting? Did you do a lot of kind of the twists and turns that things might take? Or did you let that unfold as you went through it with the characters? Oh, I, I did a ton of plotting beforehand. I, I had to do so much um, historical research for these books. And it's very funny in a, in a weird way because all the stuff that I found out, you know, I didn't end up using half of it because it, at a certain point when you're writing historical fiction, you have to be able to divorce what actually happened in that time period. Um, or it's a careful balance of not being so technical and sticking so close to the history that you forget where the story is inside all of showing off all your knowledge, you know? Sure. And so uh, you have that coming out the 15th, and then later on the spring, uh, you have the sequel to Urusha and the End of Time, uh, your middle grade uh, novel. And so uh, the first one did really well, and... Uh, so I'm sure readers are excited about the second one. So how was it uh, writing middle grade after writing in the YA uh, and especially interacting with those uh, readers? Because it's a much different experience, I would imagine, uh, middle grade yeah. readers versus YA. It was it's great. It's honestly the it's honestly the best of both worlds. I love my YA readers. My middle grade readers are hilarious. Like they ask me the funniest questions. And their love for the book is really 
um, it's really pure. You know what I mean? Like they, they think of these characters as their friends and it's, mm -hmm. it's just incredibly humbling. And I love writing YA and I really, really love writing middle grade as well. And what I think middle grade taught me was um, voice and how to get to the heart of the story faster. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like my middle grade readers are the most picky and choosy. I mean, if I don't grab their attention by page 10, they'll just put it down and never pick it back up. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> With that book in April and this book, you'll be you'll be five books in. Uh, you know, you'll you'll have a, a good catalog, I'll say. So what's it like, you know, having having explored all of these kind of stories as a child and these and imagining these things to now actually being able to create those and share those uh, to girls uh, and readers like you uh, that they might be doing the same thing you did as a child? It's extraordinarily humbling. I I have always wanted to see myself in stories when I was a kid. And now knowing that there's a space and an interest for those tales, as opposed to being told that I was just a niche writer or only a writer capable of diverse fiction, and that was, you know, that's my only selling point. These readers have proved them wrong. And all kids of all ages and all backgrounds have proved that wrong. All they want is a good story. They want to see the world that they live in. Mm -hmm. And showing them other cultures doesn't, isn't, um, isn't something niche. It's just making the world more colorful and showing all of its hues. So I'm, I'm really glad that I get to do this. And I'm so, so grateful that publishing is moving towards not holding up one person of color's voice as representative of the whole. I love the fact that we are getting voices from all different kinds of writers within the South Asian sphere to show that one South Asian writer doesn't speak for everybody. So I hope that, I hope that readers enjoy all that there is to offer for them. I hope they see themselves in every facet and I just hope we keep getting closer and closer to that. And so have, have you found that, that being a writer at this point in time, that more welcoming community uh, doesn't make the success that you've had as a writer all that more special? Absolutely. It, it feels like the stars really aligned in terms of timing, in terms of public interest, in terms of people being willing to take a chance. And especially because I think now more than ever, a lot of, I think a lot of authors of color are seeing that it is so much better for us to support one another and to uplift each other's stories when that wasn't always the case. I mean, when I was trying to break into the short story realm, I, I often felt and often saw that table of contents would only have one author of color and they, they wouldn't take more than one person. And now they're seeing that we have so much nuance to offer with our voices. So that's great. And what books have you really enjoyed over the past few years, uh, writers, uh, maybe from voices and perspectives that have been uh, vastly different than your own? Well, for historical reads, I really am a huge fan of Mackenzie Lee's Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue. It's just, it's, it's one of those reads that has so much individuality to it. It's beautiful and hilarious. Um, I also really loved Sayantani Dasgupta's Kiran Mala and the Serpent Secret. And it's just this phenomenal read, um, also for readers, I think, who love books like my own or uh, Percy Jackson and that kind of stuff. That's, that's wonderful. Um, and I've really learned a lot from 
writers of magical realism like Anna Marie Mecklemore, who writes beautifully about the Latinx experience. We're just entered 2019. Uh, you know, a lot of people are making resolutions. So I don't, not necessarily interested in your resolutions, but maybe <laughs> what, how do you want to grow? What do you want to explore more of as a writer? Yeah, as a writer, I want to make sure that I am never boring myself. I want to keep writing as many different stories. I'd love to tackle different genres. I would love to prove that it's not just one medium that I can do, but, but multiple. And I think that that's the gorgeous thing about story. We see it translated and adapted hundreds of ways. It could be screenwriting. It could be graphic novels. It could be, you know, anything else that engages other readers, inspires them to pick up a book um, and learn and learn more on their own. Those are what my, my favorite kind of books do that. And I love books on history. I love mythology. And sometimes when I'll read something, I'll get so curious to find out more about them on my own. And I really hope just to inspire those journeys and other readers and writers. That's great. So a few questions as we wind down. The first one being, what is your favorite movie that's based on a book? Okay. You know, Pride and Prejudice. That's my answer. Okay. <laughs> And, you know, there's been a couple. Is there a particular version that you think of as being the version of Pride and Prejudice? Oh, my gosh. Obviously, Colin Firth and Jennifer Ely. I mean, nobody will ever beat Colin Firth walking out of a lake like that. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's just, it's just, no, it's iconic. Great. And then the next question, is there a book or a series of books that you're willing to admit that you've either never read or weren't able to finish? Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I feel like a really, really bad fantasy author for admitting that. Yeah, I don't think I've ever finished it either. Aha! I'm not alone. Go. No. And then finally, what is the last great book that you've read? Okay. Um, well, I really, really loved Winter of the Witch. It's the third book in Catherine Arden's Winter Night trilogy. And to me, it was, it, it was just... It's just phenomenal. It's one of those books and series that seems to embody a whole season. Um, and it's just luxurious. It's this sort of pastoral fantasy set in medieval Russia. And for me, it really took me away from my own world. And I will always be appreciative of that book for, for taking me somewhere else for a change. That's great. Well, The Gilded Wolves comes out on January 15th. And I wish you and the book all the best. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you for taking time out of your day to talk to me. This was so much fun. Thank you. And that does it for this week's episode. I want to thank Roshni for joining me. It was such a pleasure getting to talk to her. Her newest book, The Gilded Wolves, comes out on January the 15th. So I hope you'll check it out. And if this is the first time you've checked out this podcast, take a look at some of our previous episodes and think about subscribing. I'm very excited about some of the people I'll be talking to in the weeks to come. I'm Brock Shelley, and until next time, keep reading.